Hello, my name is Kristen and I am obsessed with all things play-based and child-led learning. Truly obsessed. I am here to help you navigate the messy and the magical on your journey to a play-based program. It is truly magical on the other side and I want you to feel each day what I feel when I walk into my classroom. I am the homeschool mama to four. I'm the founder of a play and nature-based preschool and forest school and I am here to cheer you on. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's get going. Welcome to episode three of the Play-Based Learning Podcast. I'm Kristen. Well, I already introduced myself in the opening. And today I have a question that I'm answering for somebody that reached out to me on Instagram. And the question comes from a woman in New Zealand says hi there just listen to your first podcast episode I love your passion and enthusiasm very engaging I'm an early childhood teacher in the in New Zealand where the majority of our sector is play-based environments supported well by our national ECE curriculum go New Zealand Woo! however an issue that arises for us in the centers which I support is that some of our teachers spend a lot of time simply standing back and supervising there is little intention around the environment and provocations or invitations for learning There are a few teacher-child interactions other than behavior. I'm going to rephrase that. It says there are few teacher-child interactions other than behavior management or instruction giving. I wonder what they think their role is. So I'd love to hear more about your view of the role of a teacher in play-based environments. How does a teacher best support child-directed learning? And I was like, this is podcast gold. So I'm going to answer this and um, I'm going to preface it with... I have never been to New Zealand. I'm I'm pretty sure that their version of child-directed learning and play-based learning is very similar to what my views of child-directed and play-based learning are. But there always could be some discrepancy because everybody's definition of play is different. Everybody's definition of child-led may be different. So I'm going to go on my own definitions and um, my own observations and knowledge. So first, I think there's four big chunks here. So we're going to go through four different things things that I feel are what we would call the teacher's role in a play-based child-led program. So I think the very first thing is that a teacher needs to have a very good solid foundation of child development theory. That means reading up on and knowing things from like Maria Montessori, Lev Vygotsky, Jean Piaget, Maria, did I say Maria Montessori? I don't know. Howard, Howard Gardner and Maslow hierarchy of needs. I think that those are something that every early childhood educator needs to be up on. And all of the things that we practice today are based on those foundational theorists in early childhood education. So all of this stuff that is coming out of my mouth right now is not new. It's not new. It's all stuff that's been around for many, 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 many years. So I think it's very important to have a really good, solid knowledge of child development and early childhood theory. The second thing, and this one I'm kind of going to break into two chunks. Adults are there in the classroom to act as a facilitator or maybe a coach, maybe a troop leader, hummingbird, whatever you want to call it. And they are not there to be the president of the whole entire program and what I say goes. So 
this this can be further broken down into two chunks. So the first chunk would be what does this look like in the actual classroom and the materials that are provided within the classroom. So the actual classroom as a vessel. I think that this looks like a yes environment. I think the teacher's role in a child-led play-based program is to make the environment a yes environment. And what that means is every single thing that is in that room needs to be positioned or placed or rearranged or um, set out in a way where it can be a yes for children. Of course, there are going to be some limits. In our program, the limits are, well, it's okay if it's not hurting anybody, anything, or yourself. A yes program, if children are, so children move. Children, we're all wired to move. Like, we are born to be movers. So children are going to run. So where in your program can children run? Where can it be a yes that they can run? And if there are places where it's not okay that they run, then put a lot of furniture there so they, like, they physically can't run and it, it would be unsafe. Um, so give them a place where they can do, where it can be a yes to run. This means that the adults need to spend a lot of time carefully planning the environment. The adults need to choose the materials, they need to choose the room layout that's conducive to the needs of the children in that, that day, that hour, that minute knit that time. Make sure that the the furniture in the room is meant for children. Again, that you don't have to police the room. If you have to police the room, rethink it. If there's policing going on, if there's adult nose happening everywhere, you need to rethink the environment, the space layout. The second part to the teacher being there as the facilitators, coach, troop leader, whatever you want to call it, is that Uh, they put careful consideration into the materials provided. And with the question that I was given about the teacher's role in the play-based program, it seems like they do spend quite a bit of time with the provocations and invitations. But this this is the piece where teachers do need to observe and they do need to listen to find out what children's needs are and then what their wonders are and what their curiosities are and what their questions are and that's where you run that's where you take things and run with it um an example of this in my program uh I was outside one day and it had rained a little bit that morning and we flipped over a big plastic pool that we have on the underside of the pool there's a ton of slugs little slugs we don't have big slugs in Minnesota I really wish we did because the Banana slugs are my favorite creature, but we had little slugs. And so the kids were fascinated with these slugs and started wondering, like, what? Why do they have these little things on top of their head? What are those used for? And what? Why is there a hole opening and closing on the side of its body? So I took it and ran with it. And we looked up information on slugs and picked out books from our shelf that are all about slugs and snails. They are different, but just the the curiosities kind of led that direction. And I built upon those interests to support them. Here, so number three, I think this is the big one. One of the big ones. I think there could be two big ones missing, but here's the one big one that I think that maybe the program that asked this question could be missing is the teachers need to be able to pull out of their booties all of the learning that is taking place that is happening in that child-led play. As an adult facilitator, teacher, troop leader, coach, facilitator, can you tell Karen what little Sammy is learning when he swings for 20 minutes on that swing over there? Can you tell Karen what George is doing 
when he puts that puzzle together again for the 30th time. Can you tell Karen what Julian is doing when he is dressing up and playing dog and pretending he is in a dog kennel? The adults in the room have to be able to articulate what is happening to make those connections. The best way, the the way that I did this, so when I started out my program... Um, we've been open for six years now. The teachers in my program, we were like lost on this. We were like, I am not quite sure like what is actually happening here. So what we did is we went totally overboard for one year. For nine months, we went with this software called StoryPark and it's fantastic. It's a fantastic software to use for documenting learning in early childhood programs. So we scheduled time for the teachers. They got a half an hour, 15 minutes to a half an hour every single day to upload pictures that they had taken of students and then we used all of our Minnesota early childhood the ESIPs they're called the early childhood indicators of progress they're like standards benchmarks for early childhood in Minnesota I had put all of those into the software so that we could put tags on each photo so if it was a photo of Sammy doing a puzzle we would tag that with all of the early childhood indicators of progress that that puzzle putting together fit under then it would spit out like this pie chart of this of this student over time that you could see in the four developmental areas of early childhood cognitive language arts physical social emotional four areas it would show like how well-rounded this child's play was throughout the day to see if you know there was one area they were lacking in it was fantastic and through that process because we did it so heavily for nine months every single one of the teachers in my program can fully articulate everything that a child is learning through their play experiences now we've dialed it way back and we upload pictures to a program called Sandbox and um, just kind of write little learning stories that go along with the photos and it's not um, so heavy where there's pictures every single day of every single child but it does show parents like hey we're watching out for these things and we see these things. I think that that process looks different for many different people. It could be a lap book. It could be a journal for the teacher. It could be post-it notes with little notes written on it about each student. It could be videos with little learning stories and descriptions with the videos. There's many, many different ways to go about, about doing this. And I think that we're all different. And so everybody's process is going to be a little bit different to figure out what is going to be the best way to really start getting it to sink into your brain and be able to articulate to the other adults, to the parents, um, to the teaching assistants, what is actually happening, to the community what's happening in your classrooms and how we are all learning through play even when there isn't a worksheet sitting in front of them and they're sitting face forward listening to the teacher. The biggest last one, number four, this is the big one, connection. And I think this could be maybe one of the missing pieces of this program in New Zealand. It all goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There are basic things that every human being needs in order in the, they have to be in place in order for learning to occur. Self-actualization, learning is the very top of that hierarchy. All of those things underneath it have to be met first. And one of them is connection. Children need to have a connection 
with each other, with the adults in the room. It sounds as if maybe that could be a missing piece of the puzzle for this program in New Zealand. Those teachers, all teachers, caregivers, adults, they need to be making connections and relationships with those children in order for them to feel safe enough to learn. In our program, this looks like sitting down and playing Play-Doh with the kids, playing games, throwing baseballs for them, putting puzzles together. We read on the couch for hours and hours and hours every day, it seems. If the connections aren't there, the learning is not going to be there. Those are the four things. Those are the four things that I think lay out the role of a teacher in a child-led and play-based program. So I'm going to recap for you. So number one, the adults need to know their stuff when it comes to child development and theory. Number two, the adults are facilitators that pay attention. They provide materials and plan a yes environment. Number three, the adults can see and document all of the learning that takes place through those provocations and invitations. And number four, the adults make a connection with the students, the children, to get them on the road to self-actualization. There you go. Those are my four things. Four things that are characteristics of a teacher in a child-led play-based program. Now, if you could do me a favor, I would love if you would share my podcast. Let's get the word about play out there. Let's do it. So if you could share my podcast, if you could rate my podcast, if you could um, like comment on it, if you could leave a nice little ditty about how you like to listen to it. I would be so, 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 so appreciated. Appreciative, not appreciated. I would be appreciative, very appreciative. So that's it for now. Have a good day. Hey, I need you to do me a huge, 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 huge favor. If you liked listening and you want to be able to hear more, can you please go on to iTunes and leave me a five-star review? I would so appreciate it. And then connect with me on Instagram. It's learning.wild. We'll see you around.